to Learn, Laugh, Leap. I'm your host, Shannon Paradis, and today my guest is Jimmy Bauman. He and his wife, Heather, run the Farm Farm out of Princeton, Minnesota. The Farm Farm cranks out some of the best darn veggies and shares them with the Minneapolis community through a CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. This is our first year joining a CSA, and because our experience has been so freaking awesome, I wanted to tour the farm in person and meet the lovely couple behind the fresh farmed food that my family and I so enjoy. Let's start off with why they chose the name Farm Farm, which I love so much. I guess the short answer is it was a clever way to not actually name our farm. Um, (laughs) And the long story is Heather, when we were living in Chicago, wanted to sell her um, beaded earrings she was making on Etsy. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to call it Pyramid, but that was taken. So I was like, why don't you call it Pyramid Pyramid? Which I stole from my friend Alec, who had um, a recording project called Dynasty Dynasty. Oh my gosh. And then we were trying to think of the farm name, and Heather was like, why not call it Farm Farm? And it's just like, yep. That's it. That's the one. Doesn't sound like a housing development or a salad dressing. (laughs) So that was part of the reason why I bought it into the Farm Farm, and it is my first year doing a CSA. Can you explain a little bit about what... CSA is. Yeah, um, it's an acronym that stands for Community Supported Agriculture. The best description is that it is a subscription to a farm, so you pay at the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. and the farmer promises to deliver you produce. Different CSA farms run it differently. We're trying to keep ours a little bit more tried and true. What how it how CSA started in general is basically we give you the veggies. We deliver them to somewhere yeah, close. We get the money up front to yeah. help us grow the veggies because we're spending. Yeah. We spent so much money even before our first farmers markets because we tomato our tomatoes for the greenhouse. We started in the middle of January in our house under lights, and so we're working for half the year before we even deliver the first CSA box. So mm-hmm. without that upfront money, we have to get an operating loan with interest and that back at the end of the year it just allows the farmer a lot more flexibility and it's a guaranteed sale mm-hmm. if we were trying to grow all sorts of stuff for restaurants and co-op grocery stores and farmers markets it's like well hopefully they order it or right it's not raining every there's Saturday. no guarantee and the, and the twin cities area in minnesota i think is pretty competitive even for csa but csa just re- works really well for our small scale in the years that you've been doing this does it feel like things have been getting progressively better for farmers? I think our farm every year improves. And not just the fact that we're more profitable, but we're also working more reasonably. And a lot of that has to do with that we bought our own place and we could put in permanent infrastructure like a 4,000 square foot greenhouse right. so we can start earlier and go later. Jimmy is trying to convince Heather that they need another greenhouse so they can do more year-round work. They own 10 acres, but they have two acres in production. Come on, Heather, just give the man another greenhouse. Now let's learn more about the farm farm farmers, Ah, Jimmy and Heather's background. Well, I grew up on a a dairy farm. I guess at the time, if anybody was gonna ask me if I could see myself farming, the answer would be no. Because I was like, you know, down at that point, being like 40. It's a small town, but it's not on the farm anymore. And so I was like, ah, I, get, I have to work all the time. None of my friends have to work in the summer or it's school. It's not fair. It's not fair, right. <laughs> but I went to school for uh, computer animation. I didn't finish the program. Jimmy wanted to pursue more artistic, creative things and ended up working in higher-end restaurants. It was really when 
was in my early 20s and I learned what organic was. Eventually, Jimmy moved to Chicago and lived there for two and a half years. He worked at a restaurant that was a lot more farm to table, and he also met Heather in Chicago. Did she also have a farming background? No, she grew up in uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, which okay. is a small, man- old manufacturing city. And then she moved to Chicago to go to the Art Institute college there. So you were more of the one with this background. You were familiar with farming. I mean, I didn't know how to farm <laughs> just because I grew up on one. I mean, I didn't know what was going on, really. And a dairy is a lot different than a vegetable farm. Very true. You guys don't have any cows. No, we don't have any, any yeah. animals, yeah. no. But I was really sick of working in restaurants after several years of doing that, so a mutual friend got me a job at the Chicago Botanic Gardens, and it was kind of a pay cut, but I was really enjoying being back outside and doing like more hands-on stuff, and they had a really big library that I could access for free, so I started reading a lot about it, and I was getting sick of the city and convinced Heather to move back to Minneapolis. Jimmy realized the 9-to-5 grind culture was not for him, and ultimately the biggest attraction of farming life was being self-employed, but also participating in the economy in a way he could feel good about, and agriculture is the first thing that has to happen for society to really function. It's a yeah. pretty fundamental thing, and it has lots of room for creativity. Every day yeah, is yeah. a little different. He and his wife Heather partnered with one of their friends and grew about three quarters of an acre. What were you guys growing there? A little bit of everything. Uh, we thought we were gonna like work these farmers markets. We did. We got into the uptown farmers market. After that, one got canceled. And then we started working the downtown farmers market. And they're like, "Hey, let's just do a CSA." And we had like ten members. Pretty informal. Allowed us to get our feet wet. Our second year farming, we moved to my parents' house while we still lived in Minneapolis. We would commute out to the my folks in Delano, which was about 45 minutes away. And that summer, I, I was full-time on the farm during the growing season, and Heather worked off the farm part-time. We grew for two years there while living in Minneapolis, and then we moved to a different location on the other side of Delano that had uh, greenhouses and smaller-scaled equipment that was more appropriate for what we were trying to do. In 2019, they were finally able to close on their own property, but it did not come without challenges. We actually had made an offer that was accepted by the seller in November of 2018. We got our funding through the Farm Service Agency, which was shut down for weeks and weeks over that period when the big government shutdown was happening. Oh, yeah. We just had to sit and wait during that whole time. Five months later, in May of 2019, they did close on their house, which threw their whole plan and farming schedule off. We planted spring crops in Delano to stay in schedule, but as soon as we were able to move here, we the guy who used to cut this field for hay, we had him plow everything under, flip the soil over, and we started planting here almost immediately. And then we were basically done going to Delano by July, but we had a lot of a lot of building projects that year. I kid you not, Heather and I, from April until middle of December, we might have had like two days off. We moved in the middle of the spring and moved four high tunnels up here, built a 4,000 square foot greenhouse by the end of 2019. Had a well drilled. Are you doing all the building yourself? Yeah, we did the greenhouse ourselves. We had a few big days where we had a lot of helpers pounding the ground posts and and like actually put the the big hoops onto the ground posts, but after that I pretty much did everything. Let's talk about the staggering membership progress the farm farm has made over the years. We had CSA members our very first year. You know, I think that first year we had like 10. 10 members. 10 members, yeah, and it wasn't like a full season of it, but then I think our second year we had 30 or 40, our third year we did more like 80, and then we were at 100 members for a long time, plus or minus. This year, they have 210 CSA members. Way to go, Farm Farm. I think our third season growing was when we did like a 
maybe a three-week extension into November, and then the year after that we had invested into more unheated uh, high tunnels. So we've been doing the winter CSA, we've been doing that for a long time. Is that harder for you guys than summer and fall? Yeah, for a long time we had unheated tunnels, so what we got out of there was really dependent on the temperatures, and Mm -hmm. you know, we could put an inner layer of covering on the inside of the tunnels to keep things going for longer, and just choosing crops that that do well in cold weather, or don't die right away at least. Even in the unheated tunnels, we can have fresh greens up until Christmas. Spinach is super bulletproof, and it can just sit out, you know, fall-planted spinach out in the middle of a field. You have your half share or your full share. Those are the options. Correct. Yep. We chose the half share, and I'm really glad that we did because we have a family of four, and it's plenty for us. It is, yeah. I'm like, ooh, you know, I was kind of debating between the two because I know we eat a lot of vegetables. So I eat salads every day, and the CSA takes me through the week and beyond. We'll usually have some leftovers, like green beans or onions or tomatoes. If you're just starting out, I personally would recommend doing the half share, but... Right, yeah, and actually we're going to probably retitle the shares. They're going to change the names from half and full shares to big and small shares, since the half is more like two thirds of a full share. Also on week one, there's inevitably some confusion around which CSA box to pick up at the grocery store. And I was no exception to this rule. I was gone the first week and my sister-in-law picked up the share and she picked up a full instead of a half. Oh. They didn't say, like, I don't think anybody said anything, nor did she know. Oh yeah, I mean, I, that stuff happens the first week. It's, so I'm like, it's oh man, uh, yeah, off to a bad start. We're kind of used to it now, something going wrong the first week or two. I mean, it's it's pretty informal relationship we have with our pickup sites. Yeah, They just provide space. Ideally, we don't want them to do any extra work for us, because we're not paying anybody right. to host us. The idea is that our customers come and get their box and do some extra shopping. And extra shopping I do. Every Thursday, which is my CSA day, if the weather is decent, I hook my trailer to my bike and haul over to Lake Winds Co-op in Minnetonka, which is my designated pickup spot. I turn in my box from the previous week, grab my new box, and I found some new favorite brands at the co-op, including Pop and Bottle Lattes and Wild Tonic June Kombucha, which are both delicious. Have you got a good number of uh, pickup sites figured out? And they've yeah, been you around do. For a while. How many different sites do you have this year? Seven? Seven yeah. eight, including the farm? At Lakewinds alone, where we pick up, there are a lot of deliveries there. I, I don't There's know other many, farms, but... too, yeah. Lakewinds can be one of the more problematic ones because oh. there are other CSA farms that deliver on the same day as us. We haven't had any issues in a long time, or at least none that we know of. So the people that do the full share, when they first started out, were they surprised at how much they were getting? And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. We have... A decent retention, keeping our members year to year, but there's some people that just get the CSA once, and then it's like, oh, that is too much. It is a lot of vegetables. I've looked up a few recipes just with the new veggies that I'm unfamiliar with, like kohlrabi, musk melon. That's part of the fun of getting a CSA, isn't it? It's experimenting with new recipes because you have all these new veggies to try. I baked a sweet Vidalia onion, made carnival squash with apples and thyme. That one was delicious, and roasted kohlrabi. Robbie, I don't even cook normally. And with this CSA, I felt like Julia freaking child. One thing I do like that you guys do is you 
send out an email one or two days beforehand to let people know what they will be getting and that helps us kind of plan out our week and our next grocery yeah, run yeah. what we need to get good good know? i'm glad it makes us kind of plan plan what goes in the box a little earlier so we harvest usually monday tuesday and maybe part of wednesday for the thursday deliveries we have 200 csa 211 csa members this year so we we are at two farmers markets on saturdays but the csa is three quarters of their gross income if not more for the year they're able to make a living doing this and put some money away but again for jimmy it's not about the money as much as it is the lifestyle i don't know how much more money it would take me to make a year to like go and work for somebody else at this point i don't think i could do it <laughs> it is hard once you move away from working in the corporate world to going back i work so i can live i don't live to work and farming is generally like people look at that as like oh i must be just working all day every day and that was true for a long time because we were getting started but in 2019 we had like two days off for the whole growing season but in 2020 things got a lot easier actually covid was really good for our business was it? we doubled our csa oh my gosh. that year and what do you think that's attributed to panic buying and uncertainties do you think that you guys could live 100 percent off your land if you had to oh yeah if you had a very vegetarian based diet I think two people could live off of like a quarter acre. Huh, he obviously does not know me very well. I would probably die of starvation before I got through the Gardening for Dummies book. But he's probably right that most, most people could survive off of a quarter acre of land. Moving on. The farm farm uses organic farming practices, but they're not certified organic. So I asked, why not just get the stamp of approval the old fashioned way? Well, you have to pay for the certification. Oh, okay. So I look at it as an expensive way to do a lot of paperwork. Mm -hmm. And since we are mostly a CSA and farmer's market farm, we don't need that stamp from the USDA to sell our products. If we were trying to sell them more organic grocery stores, they might need that labeling. And what makes us organic is the things that we don't use, like the chemicals. We won't use anything that isn't on the approved OMRI list, the Organic Materials Resource Index or something. It's just a list of prohibited products that people can't use if you're organic. You know, air is a chemical. Yeah. Or right. oxygen, rather. Good point. So, it'd be more accurate to say we don't use any, like, man-made artificial chemicals. And how do you, because most farms are non-organic, are using, like, pesticides and stuff. The first strategy we have in dealing with pests and disease is that we are a no-till farm. The farm farm sends their soil to a lab every year to see what they need to add or stop adding, so there's a chemistry in the soil. The no-till side of things is keeping the life of the soil intact and healthy and helps to maintain the soil structure. So this year we use a lot of compost to add organic matter and other nutrients to the soil and we used um, processed poultry manure oh. for the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium which are the, the macronutrients. The compost is really great for our soil but every time you disturb the soil it takes time for the soil life to bounce back oh. especially the fungal networks. Those are the most fragile and the most shallow in the soil. It's a whole ecosystem of give and take, you know, certain fungal networks can actually be part of a root system. Since we don't know so much, it's just safer for us to not tell. Now let's learn about some of the challenges of being a farmer. After doing this for 10 years, you feel yeah. pretty confident, like waking up in the morning, you're not like, oh boy, what, 
like catastrophe are we gonna run into today? Uh, yes and no. I mean, every year is different. In the spring, they would get cutworms, which is a really gross looking moth larva. And some species over the winter would go after Jimmy's cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and anything in that family. And they come up at night and eat the stem of the plant. Annoying. Very annoying. Um, <laughs> and so what do you do to get rid of those? This year we injected beneficial nematodes into our irrigation system. Unfortunately, beneficial nematodes aren't much cuter than cutworms, but at least they're doing some good in the world. These guys are microscopic soil organisms that will parasitize insect pests like the nasty little cutworms trying to prevent us from getting our CSA boxes. Potato bugs were kind of bad this year. The cucumber beetle was bad this year. George I love that they're cabbage. specific insects like the potato and yeah. the cucumber. Well, there's the striped, striped cucumber beetle and the spotted oh cucumber beetle. And we have both. Shoot. And we lost like half of our storage cabbage to black rot. It's farming every year is different. And every new crisis makes me have to research what How to do to fix, fix it. it. I mentioned a documentary my husband and I watched called The Biggest Little Farm. I'll put a link to this in the show notes because it's a great chronicle of farm life. It shows the farmers trying to be hospitable to predators who can keep their pests under control. And you witness what a delicate balance farm life really is. Yeah, the... Little nursery rhyme, she swallowed us. Yeah, spider right. to catch the fly, and on and on. If we have to spray for them, we will, and we just use organic approved products. And generally, organic sprays are not as effective as their chemical counterparts. But it's gonna taste better, and it's not gonna make your blueberry look like the size of your head. I always question how did the strawberry get this large? We have really <clears throat> outstanding state fair type produce sometimes too, and you can achieve size with organic. Mean really? I think so. And then as far as the organic fertilizers, we are using compost and reusing heat-treated poultry manure, which poultry manure comes from factory farms, which factory farms are not good, but the, we're reusing basically waste material, whereas artificially created fertilizers rely heavily on fossil fuels to make them. Minnesota, relative to other states, is a good place to farm? I think, yeah, the Midwest in general is just... Everywhere, basically everywhere you go, it's good farmland. It's yeah. not the case on the East Coast or the West Coast. Do you feel like this is shaping up to be what you imagined it to be when you started on this journey with Heather? I think so. I, I don't. When we started, I was 25 when we started, and I was young enough to be naive and optimistic. So I didn't. I don't know really what it was going to look like then, but we're making our living farming. It's a comfortable enough. Living, like I said, our salary isn't huge, but we're also You're living business owners, and we have assets that are part of our business. Money doesn't make me happy; it's more just lifestyle. Lifestyle, yeah. yeah. Jimmy says the most important aspect of farming is the independence, not just being a business owner, but growing food. As we saw during COVID, a lot of people started realizing the importance of being self-sustaining. Now is the point in the podcast where you're probably wondering, should I join a CSA? The first thing Jimmy mentions is they have a whole page on their website dedicated to talking you out of getting a CSA because it's a lot of vegetables, and unless you're eating most of them, you'll be wasting your money. But, but supporting the farm. But supporting the farm. The thing that is great about the CSA is that on our end, we put at least 20% more value into each weekly delivery than what you paid for, so it's a discount vegetable program for probably some of the highest quality vegetables that you can get. Even if you buy from an organic co-op grocery store, it might not be as fresh as the CSA. I just like that you know exactly where it's coming from. Yeah. The fact that I get to come out here and see and it's 
an hour away from where I live. That's a value add for me. Yeah, I think knowing your farmer is important. It gives you a sense of community, too. It's a good value. If you buy our same stuff at Lakewinds or the equivalent of what comes in our box at Lakewinds, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you way more than what you paid for that week's box. The reaction we typically get when I say we joined a CSA is, let me guess, you got 10 onions or 7 pumpkins or something obscure that you wouldn't normally go out and pick up at the store by choice. And that is not the case with the farm farm. There's a ton of variety, which I love, and I am incorporating a lot more variety into my salads. We work really hard to make the variety of our CSA. High. And back when we started, it would yeah, we put way too much kohlrabi in the boxes. And, <laughs> and like I said, we do we do an end of the year survey every year, so we get to feel out what people are thinking. And yeah, we have a pretty good understanding of what we can pull off and what we can't. We can only do hot peppers so many times in Minnesota, <laughs> even though I love them, and half of our members would love to get more hot peppers, but the other half can't even eat one. We just try to keep that in mind when we're building the weekly box. And sometimes just get what you get and you don't grow fit. Because, <laughs> like I mentioned, we lost half of our storage <laughs> cabbage this year to black rot. So while the farm farm can't always control what veggies will thrive and end up in your CSA box, they did an amazing job this year, and I would highly recommend using them for your CSA. Thank you for letting me come out yeah, here and see the farm farm and... It's been a lot of fun, and I've really appreciated the CSA and everything that you guys bring to the table. So Well, it's good to hear that, yeah. Yeah. And especially from uh, somebody who's never done CSA before. It's, we got you. Yeah. Uh, you know, in 2020, we doubled our CSA, and we basically sold out by early May, which had never happened. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, is this just a COVID scare thing? Is it gonna, are we going to have 200 members in, uh, in 2021? Which... We did, yeah. We, we actually were like, oh, okay, we can do 210. <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot. We're, we're probably just going to do 200 next year. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just sign up early then. Okay. <laughs>